Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, are you, are you excited today over what God's doing? Turn with me, if you would, to... Philippians chapter 3, we'll, we'll get there in a minute, but go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 3, hallelujah. Pastor Angela, in her greeting this morning, uh, she said, you know, that God has some great things in store for us this year. He does. God has some tremendous things in store for this church in 2015. There are some things that God has planned for us. There are some things available to us. Growth, glory, miracles, breakthroughs, blessings. These things are in store for us this year. But you know, it's not just this year, it's any year. It's in a year. Well, why do we say God has things for us this year? It's because the Lord, he knows how we are. He knows that we operate on a calendar. And he knows that at the beginning of a year, everyone's looking uh, toward that year and some things that they hope to accomplish and so forth. The Lord just takes that, that into consideration and he speaks some things to us that we could have any time but he says you can have them this year. They're available. He does this to bring them to our remembrance and to inspire us. Amen. To inspire us to, to, to not just believe it, but to actually act on it. Amen. To actually expect it. Amen. To lay hold of some things. Amen. You're here in Philippians chapter 3. Paul said in verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, now notice, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Notice the Lord laid hold of him. There were some things, there were some specific, particular things that the Lord had laid hold of the apostle Paul for. He laid hold of him to accomplish some things in his life, to do some things, but yet it's not gonna happen unless he lays hold of it. Well, there are some things that the Lord has laid hold of us for that he wants to do in 2015, but we have to lay hold of it. With our faith, we have to believe. Amen. And, uh, and act on what we hear. Now, he's told us about a coming visitation, hasn't he? If you've been attending this church, the Lord's spoken to us that there's a visitation coming not just to this church but to, to, uh, to, to America and really to the whole world. But again, we must lay hold of it. We lay hold of it through prayer. We lay hold of it through our words. We lay hold of it by believing and acting on what God has said. So it's important that we not just hear, but that we exercise faith in what we hear. 
It's not enough to just know that these things belong to us. Uh, and, if, and if we take that approach that they, we just believe generally these things are ours, we won't lay hold of them. And the Lord at the beginning of a year will, will inspire us and speak to us in order to stir us up to action so that we'll actually have what he wants us to have. Amen. And so that's what we're doing, praise God. Uh, Go over to Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, three weeks ago on a Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Greg had a, like a, a little mini vision. And he saw something in the spirit. And, and that thing has just been on me ever since. And uh, the, the Lord has just stirred this up on the inside of me. But uh, there were four things in particular that, that Pastor Greg said about what he saw. He said, first of all, he saw a, a, a mighty wind blowing. And he said, there is coming uh, a mighty wind to America, to the church, really in the world. There's coming a mighty wind. And he said it, what he saw was a wind blowing that was a, a, a torrential, a, a driving wind, a, a tremendous wind that moved things around. And he said this wind would take us from where we are to where we need to be. See, the Spirit of God will do some things if we're in a position to move with him. And, and he will do some things to to further our walk. And he does move in unusual ways. The Holy Spirit is not static. He's not passive. He moves. That's, that's the Spirit moves. How holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And the disciples, you know, there in Cornelius' house when, the, when his when his family and relatives came together, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit falls, he moves, he manifests himself, the manifestation of the Spirit. So the Spirit does some things and he, there's, a, uh, there's a mighty wind of the Spirit coming. And uh, Pastor Greg said this about it. He said, we must be willing to move with it. We must be willing to move with it. If we're not willing to go with God, if we're not willing to flow with him and to move with him, uh, we'll just stay where we're at. And this year will just be like any other year. Amen. God doesn't want this year to be like any other year. He wants this year to be different. Why? Because there's so much more for us. And this would be true no matter how much we laid hold of this year, there would be more for next year. But before we get to next year, let's have this year. Let's lay hold of what he has for us. 
And there's a wind of the Spirit that's coming that will move us from where we are to where we need to be, but we have to be willing to move with it and we have to get ready. It's one thing to be willing, it's another thing to get ready. What, is, what does it mean to get ready? That means do some things so that you're in a position to yield and to flow with the Spirit, to move with the wind, amen? So he said we have to get ready, we have to be willing to move with it and be ready to move with it. And then he said we must turn loose of those things that hold us back. Notice here that the Apostle Paul, and I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, uh, you wouldn't think that the Apostle, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, someone that would be uh, on that stature of of, uh, fellowship with the Lord, that, his, that God would actually use him to write one of the major books of the New Testament, you wouldn't think that he would be somebody that would be easily beset by sins. But what did he say? He said, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us, he included himself, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. We, we, have, to lay, we have to be willing to lay things aside that hold us back. And that's one thing that the Lord said to Pastor Greg when he showed him that win. He said, we have to be, we have to be willing to lay things aside and, and not just you know, stick our, our heels in the sand, so to speak, and refuse to be moved. We have to turn loose of some things. And it says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I understand that this verse is referring to the previous chapter and the witnesses that he's referring to are all of those heroes of faith from the 11th chapter. And so after, after talking about all of these men and women of faith and the great things they accomplished, he said, seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So I know that's what he's talking about, but you know, there are witnesses all around us. Today, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are witnesses on every side. There's the witness on the inside. There's the witness that other people have. There are the witness, there's the witness uh, uh, currently of, of the witness of the spirit of what he's wanting and for what he's wanting to accomplish right here in our time. There's that witness. But we have to be willing to lay aside weights, things that hold us back, sins that easily beset, That applies to everybody. Now don't sit out there and act like that doesn't apply to you. Every one of us, amen, have areas where we need to shore ourselves up, where we need to take account of ourselves, where we need to straighten up, amen. I said every one of us has areas where we need to straighten up. Every one of us could could be more yielded. Come on. Everybody has some things. Might not be the same things. But weights and sins that easily beset us. It's easy. It's easy. Well... We have to lay those things aside. We have to be willing to cast those things off if we're gonna have what God 
has for us in this, in this hour. Isn't that right? And then the fourth thing, and this is what really resonated with me, uh, Pastor Greg said the thing that, that uh, and he said this over and over, change is needed. Change is needed. Change is needed. Change is good. Change is not always fun, but change is good. If you're changing in the right way, it's good. Change is needed. Amen. God says things will be different this year. He's saying that to us. It's going to be different this year. But we must do things differently. What's the definition of insanity? Huh? Doing the same thing and expecting different results. And somebody said that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing and expecting different results. Well, God says things are going to be different this year. And he's inspiring us. And he's, and he's drawing us into those things. But that just, what, what comes with the territory is the understanding that we have to do things differently. We can't do things the same way and expect different results. Amen. Amen. God rarely, I, I, actually in my notes I put God never, but I said, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'd have to study that out a little bit. But God rarely, let me put it this way, God rarely does anything completely independently of us. What God does in our lives, what God does in, in, in uh, the body of Christ. I mean, any given situation when God's working, he almost always, I said almost, and I'm not sure it's not always, but at least he's, it's almost always in cooperation with what we do. In other words, we have to work with him. He doesn't work independently. Isn't that right? Remember in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So the planting is important. The watering is important. The increase that God gives is important. Now in that passage, if you look at that passage, he's actually uh, trying to correct an attitude that existed there in the church at Corinth where they had their certain favorite ministers. And he was correcting that and he said, Paul is no one and Apollos is no one. It's God who gives the increase. That's where the emphasis needs to be. But, but in looking from where we're standing and where we're talking today, God gives the increase, but he doesn't do it independently of Paul and, and Apollos. Paul and Apollos had their part to play in order for the increase. The increase could not have come unless there was planting and watering. Well, we have some things to do to bring, to, to cooperate with the wind, to cooperate with the visitation from heaven, to cooperate with the things that he has planned for us. There are some doings involved. But it's, it's comforting to know yeah, we have some doing, but God gives the increase. That, that adds tremendous efficiency to our doing. I mean, that is, it's, yeah, there's doing, all right, but we're doing it with his power, his ability, with his help, and he's bringing the increase 
glory to God. That makes doing a, a, a light and burdenless thing. It, it makes it a wonderful and cheerful and easy thing because we know we're doing it, but we're energized in our doing it. We're inspired, we're led by our doing, or in our doing. Isn't that right? Well, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now turn with me, if you would, over to Daniel. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 7. Amen. Daniel, the seventh chapter. Glory to God. Excuse me, the tenth chapter, verse number seven. Daniel 10. We're going to look at verse number. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The tenth chapter of Daniel. And I wrote down verse number seven in my notes and that's the wrong verse. So I'm correcting it. It's verse number 11. Hallelujah. 12, excuse me. I have a new Bible and I haven't marked up all my pages in, the, in, in notes in the Old Testament yet. So I'm, I'm scanning it to see where it is. It's verse number 12. And that's what we're gonna be talking about. Daniel 10, verse 12. Do I have it straight? I believe I do now. In the 10th chapter of Daniel, uh, it says in, in verse number two, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till the whole three days were fulfilled. And, he, and uh, he, so he spent time in prayer and fasting. And in an earlier chapter, he talks about the fact that uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, had made a prediction about the Babylonian captivity, that the children of Israel would go into captivity for 70 years because of their disobedience and because of their rebellion, that they would serve uh, the king of Babylon, that they would be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Well, the 70 years was almost up. And Daniel uh, took note of the prophecy of Jeremiah that the 70 years was, I mean, it was virtually over. And there's no sign that the captivity is turned. Children of Israel are still in captivity. I mean, no, there is nothing to indicate anything is, is going to be different. It wouldn't have been different if Daniel hadn't prayed. See, he saw that God had a plan, but he also realized that the plan of God has to have somebody that'll bring it back up to the Lord and bring faith to that plan. God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for your life. But you have to add your faith to that plan. And that's really what Paul was talking about when he said that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. The Lord Jesus laid hold of the apostle Paul for some things that he wanted to accomplish. And, and, and the apostle Paul knew that even though that was the plan of God, it would not automatically come to pass unless he laid hold of it. In other words, unless he added his faith to it and his action to it, did his part, it's still not gonna come to pass. Well, it's the same way today. God has a plan for this church. He has a plan for the body of Christ at large. He has a plan uh, concerning the visitation that he wants to bring to the church in America. 
He has uh, uh, things that he wants to accomplish, like I said, among us to make this a, a, a really different year for us. But we have, we have to add our faith to it. Now, it says in verse 12, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Notice, Daniel set his heart to understand. And uh, when it says to humble himself, it's referring to his prayer and fasting. Uh, the older King James says to chasten. When you set your, 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 your heart uh, to chasten yourself. You know, if on Monday nights, if you come on Monday nights to prayer, sometimes you'll, sometimes you'll hear me pray in, in the beginning part of the prayer on Monday nights and I'll say, Lord, we've come here to chasten ourselves before you. What am I, what am I talking about? I'm not talking about chasing in, in the sense of chastisement, but I take it from the scripture, from the old, older King James. In other words, we come before you to humble ourselves so that whatever needs to be done in us will be done. We present ourselves to you in prayer. Father, change us. That's the attitude of my heart. That's really what I'm saying. We come before you, Father, to submit ourselves to you, to, uh, to not come with our own ideas and our own agenda, but to, in praying, uh, humble ourselves before you so that you can do what you want to do, so that you can reveal yourself, so that you can speak to us, bring revelation, bring correction. Sometimes we need correction. Sometimes we, we need some things adjusted. And so that's what Daniel was doing. But it, but it says that he set his heart to understand and to humble himself. God didn't do that. God didn't set him. He set himself to understand. That's, that's something we as a church, we have to do. We have to humble ourselves and we have to come to a place where, where we say, now Lord, we want what you want. And we, we come before you to present ourselves to you as your servants. Now, you know, we are the children of God. We are, in the Old Testament, they were just servants. In the New Testament, we're sons. That's, that's talking about our relationship with the Father. He's our Father, we're his sons. But in terms of doing his will, we're still servants. We still serve him. Isn't that right? And, and is there... Amen. Don't make me go to California for an amen. <laughs> amen. No, we, we, have to, we have to present ourselves in humility and, and in hunger. There has to be a hunger on the inside of us. There has to be a, a, not just a submissiveness, but a passive submissiveness, but an, an active submissiveness where we hunger for what he has. We're willing to lay hold of some things. And that's what Daniel was doing. Uh, hold your place here because we're going to come back and go with me over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, 
Before we go to where I was thinking, hold your place in Matthew 5. Are you holding your place in Daniel 10? How many fingers do you have? You still can do that. Hold your place in Daniel 10 and in Matthew 5. And go with me to Ephesians. So it doesn't have anything to do with my message, but I just want to interject something here. We talked about that, what I'm about to say this past week out in California. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Then drop down to verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul told the church to pray for him, that utterance would be given to him. Uh, In order for utterance to come to the pastor or any minister, somebody has to pray for that utterance. That's how you pray for your pastor. That's number one, they pray for utterance. Now, if anybody, if anybody could have received utterance based on their own spirituality, based on their own faith, based on their own call and anointing, if anybody could have received utterance based on those things, surely it would have been Paul. Surely the Apostle Paul had the status in God and his relationship with God. Surely Paul was strong enough, deep enough, anointed enough to get utterance. And he said, pray for me that I'll have utterance. The minister will never have full utterance unless the church prays for that utterance. I'll not be able to minister and have the flow that I need to have in ministry unless somebody prays for that. And it's not just my responsibility to pray for it. Paul didn't didn't say, I have prayed, don't worry about it, I've prayed for utterance. Y'all just cool it, I've prayed. He didn't say that. He said, you pray for me for utterance for me. You pray for utterance. So the pastor needs the prayers of the church. The preacher needs the prayers of the the believers in order for him to say the things that need to be said, in order to present it right, in order to draw it out. The Spirit of God will draw things out when the minister is ministering if people are praying for that utterance. He won't give utterance if there's not prayer. Otherwise, why did he tell the church to pray for it? If God would just give him utterance because he was an apostle, because he was called and anointed of God, he had an office, he had a job, he had a commission. If God would give him utterance based on that, then why did he tell the church to pray for it? That must mean that if they, that their praying is necessary and in no prayer, no utterance. Or limited prayer, limited utterance. Small amount of prayer, small amount of utterance. Spotty prayer, spotty utterance. Come on now. If you want, if you want the flow in the pulpit, if you want God be, to be able to say what he needs to say, wants to say, and flow through your pastor, you have to desire that. 
If there's no asking, if there's no hunger, if there's no desire, the flow won't be there. It doesn't matter how much I pray, no matter how much I prepare myself, don't misunderstand me, that's part of it. I have that responsibility. But if, if, if no matter that, if, if it's not being drawn on, it's not going to come. Amen. You, you can't, you can't, pour water through a valve that's only partially opened. It doesn't matter how much force, pressure's behind it. If the valve is only cracked open a little bit, you're only going to get a little bit of water. What cracks that open? What opens it up? The prayers of the church. Well, amen. Come on now, wake up. Wake up to your responsibility. Now go back to uh, Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, and we look at this, seems like we're, we're drawn back to this verse quite often. In verse 13, 14, and, well, through 16, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, this is another side thought. Uh, I'll just add in this because the Lord brought it up. I'm, I'm really intending to talk about verses 14 through 16, but let's look at verse 15 for a minute. We are the salt of the earth. Jesus was talking to uh, the, the multitudes, but this applies to the church because we find scriptures in the epistles that talk about us being salt. We are the salt of the earth. But notice, if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? If the church compromises, if, if the church is a compromised church, there won't be flavoring. The salt has to stay, it has to maintain its flavoring, it has to maintain its saltiness. The church must remain the salt. We cannot try to be like the world. A try, try to do everything we can to conform to the world in order to try to reach the world. That has never worked in history. In, in church history for, for 2,000 years, the church has never been effective ever by compromising with the world. Never has revival come. Never has revival come through compromise. What church, what kind of church has God used to bring revival? Has God used to change cultures and change society? A church that is pure to the word, on fire with the power of the Holy Ghost, will not compromise, will not back down, but will tell it like it is. That's the church that God honors. Yeah. And he says when the, when the salt loses its flavor... When, when we just become like everybody else, think like everybody else, talk like everybody else, have the same uh, 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 things that define us in our lives, guess what? We're good for nothing. Yeah, we become good for nothing. God can't use that. God can't use a church that's, that's full of worldliness. God can't use a church that that thinks and acts and talks and, and looks and, and smells and behaves like the world. Why would he need the church? He's already got the world. I mean, the world already exists. Why do we need to be like them? 
That won't bring change. He says, when the salt loses its flavor, it becomes worthless. It becomes good for nothing. And notice that it is thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You want to know why Christianity is under assault in America? You want to know why people have little regard for the things of God and people are, are openly and more boldly than ever defying the truth and defying the Bible and defying the church? Because the church has compromised to the point, laid down to the point, let the world uh, infiltrate us to the point there's no difference and you think that causes the world to respect us? It does not. Good for nothing and thrown out, thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. That's the condition of the church in America right now. That's, listen, that's the condition of the church. That's where we're at. We can get our saltiness back, praise God. Amen. We have to arise up and declare the truth, stand for something, stand for not just anything, but stand for the truth of God's word in every detail. I mean every iota, every, everything that God said. Stand for it and not be ashamed of it. And, and that's the church that brings revival. That's the church that God will honor and confirm in this world. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He said, you are the light of the world, but you can't hide that light. You can't be ashamed of that light. You have to, you have to, you have to be visible. You know, nobody lights a lamp, he said. Well, the whole purpose of lighting a lamp is to give light. How many, is, have any of you ever lit, 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 uh, lighted a lamp and stuck it in the closet, closed the door and said, well, now I'm glad that's done. No. You bring it out of the closet to where, you, where the darkness, where you can get the light. And it, lights, and it lights the house or it lights the property or whatever it is. He said, nobody lights a lamp and hides it, but they put it on a lampstand where it can be seen, where it will give light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I like the way that's written. He didn't say, make your light shine. Light doesn't, doesn't struggle to shine. Light is light. I'm not a physicist. I don't really know what light is, but uh, I know it's light. And I, I recognize it when I see it. And, and it doesn't struggle to be light. It, it doesn't struggle to show itself. It just is light. When it's on, it's on. Isn't that right? Well, he didn't say we need to struggle to be light. He didn't say try to be light. He didn't say strive to be light. He just said, let your light shine. Let it. 
Give it permission to shine. Give it, just give your light permission. Would you please just, he's saying, would you please just give permission to your light to shine and it'll shine. Believe me, you're the light of this world. It'll shine, but you have to, you have to give permission. You have to be, you have to be okay with your light shining. What well, what is giving it permission? Not sticking it in the closet. That's not giving it permission. Permission. Hiding it. Being ashamed at work. Being ashamed to, to, to say what you really believe. That's not like letting your light shine. That's not letting it shine. That's letting it not shine. Let your light shine. Go, go with me to... Uh, First uh, Peter, First Peter, chapter three. First Peter three, verse fifteen says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks." For a reason, ask you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you. See, if you're letting your light shine, people will ask you. Amen. What do we need to do? We, we need to live our relationship with the Lord publicly. It is, a, it is a personal relation. I know we have a personal relationship with Jesus. We understand. Our relationship is very personal with the Lord Jesus and with the Father. But we have to live that relationship publicly. We have to live it publicly. See, uh, if you go about your week and there's, you can, listen, you can live a good life. I'm not talking about being bad. You're a good Christian. You came to church three times this week. And uh, if you're really spiritual, you came four times. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> if you came to church and you're a good Christian, you don't, what was it you used to say about dipping in church? What was that little thing about running with girls to do? How did that go? He said, we don't. Smoke, dip, or chew, nor run with girls who do. Or go with girls who do. I mean, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what I'm saying is you can have good, a good conduct, be a good Christian, okay? Be just a good Christian, live just perfectly before the Lord. Not, you're not perfect, but you're living for the Lord. But there's nothing that anybody notices about you. You can do that all week long and give no reason for anyone to ask you a reason for the hope that's in you. The only way, the only way somebody would ask you for a reason of the hope that's in you, they'd have to see some hope in you. I mean, that'd have to be, that'd have to be something about you that they, that they would think, think, that person has some hope in them that I don't have. What is that? Why, why do you have that hope? Well, why, why? See, we need to live our lives in such a way, like I said, live our personal relationship with the Lord, but live it publicly. Just something simple, 
by being, by being reminding yourself, and, and once you get in the habit of this, it comes easier, but just thanking the Lord. I'm not talking about being crazy religious. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying when, when something good happens in your life, give God credit for it. Just on the job. When, some, when something good happens, say, well, thank God. When, when somebody asks you how you're doing, just say, you know, you don't have to do this every time, but this should be sprinkled in your life. When people want to know about you, just say, you know, God's been good to me. Instead of just saying, oh, I'm good. How you doing? Oh, I'm good every day. How you doing? I'm good every day. How you doing? I'm good. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Well, so is everybody else, but they're not. It's just something we say. It's meaningless. But when somebody says, you know, how are you doing today? Just say, you know, I am so grateful for what God's done in my life. It doesn't have to be heavy. It doesn't have to be all the time. But it needs to be there. See, just something like that, acknowledging God. And that's really what this verse says. It says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That's a little awkward. I don't, uh, that could have been translated a little better than that. The, uh, the amplified version here says, but in your hearts set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. That's better. It says sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That, what does that mean? No, he's saying in your hearts set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. See, if, if you're putting Christ in his proper place, in the way you behave and interact with people, if he's in his right place, he's going to be visible in your life. He's going to be visible because you're going to be talking about him. If you get up every morning and you put him in his rightful place and you honor him and set him as holy and as Lord of your life that day, if you do that every day and remind yourself of that, it's gonna come out in, uh, in your speech, in your behavior, in your explanation of things. Well, do you think you're gonna be able to do so and so? Yeah, by God's grace and help, I believe I will. What'd you do? You just gave, you just gave some hope out. You just told somebody about your hope. See? And people will ask, well, why do you say that? Tell, tell me more about that. Amen. Uh, so, so live your relationship with God publicly. Be ready to give an answer, an explanation. Let me go on. He says, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you, to account for the hope that is in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. Unlike another religion that says, if you don't obey this, we'll cut your head off. Which is more appealing to people? <laughs> no, he said, be ready to give an answer a logical answer, a logical defense. And I don't, I'm running out of time, but I said this couple, three, two, three weeks ago, I think, everybody in here, if you've been coming here any length of time, you have the answers. Yes, to life's most uh, mysterious questions and troubling questions that almost anybody would throw at you, you have the answer. 
Just knowing the authority of the believer answers like 90% of them. Paradise, paradise lost, paradise regained through Christ. And that answers a whole host of things. Just be ready to give an answer, a logical answer, but do it courteously and with, and with respect. Be respectful for people, to people and of people. Number three, witness as the Spirit leads. There are times when we should, uh, we should actively witness. In other words, we should take the initiative and actually share Christ with people as the Spirit leads. Uh, the Lord, the Lord will lead us. How many of you, how many of you understand that the Lord doesn't lead you? You don't, you don't feel that. You know what I'm talking about? When you're, when you talk to somebody, you're at the gas station or you're, you know, you're at the mall and somebody's waiting on you or something and you, and you, and you just know, I'm supposed to talk to that person and you say, I don't want to, they might not receive it. And you go, you know, everybody know what I'm talking about? Now think about it. Does that happen every time with every person you see? No, I would say the 99% of the time it doesn't happen. So when it happens, it's important. Well, the reason we don't, we don't share is we think, well, you know, they're probably not interested and they probably wouldn't be and they'll probably turn me down and they're probably not. If the Spirit is leading you and He doesn't, Oh, and, he, and, he, and he passes over 99 people and for one person he leads you, you just got that win. What does that tell you? It tells you that there's, a, there's somebody there needs to be witness to. They're the one. But you can't be moved by how people act. I, I was thinking about this. When I was backslidden, I grew up in church. I knew the truth. But I was backslidden. I was really backslidden. And when I was backslidden, if somebody had just said something to me like, you know, you know, out in public just said, you know, you know what? Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? You know what I'd have probably done? I'd have probably said, get out of here. Are you kidding me? I'm not interested in that stuff. I would have blown that off. But at nighttime, I'd have thought about that. Because I know that's the truth. And I knew it. I was trying to live my life in, in denial of it, but I knew that was true. And somebody said that to me, I guarantee you that worked on me. So somebody might, you might witness to somebody and just share just a some, you just might say something like that. Are you ready? Should Jesus come today? Are you ready? Just some little something like that. They might go, I don't know what you're talking about. Particularly if it's a group of people. They're likely to have a discussion about that when they get away from you. Hey, what, what about that guy said? Did you hear what he said? Yeah. And some quiet person sitting there and thinking, boy, I am not ready. I'm not right. And God can use some things. So, so when the Spirit prompts you, that's somebody that's, that needs to be ministered to. Doesn't, doesn't matter what their response is. Amen. Invite people to church. I know it's past 12, but this is good to bring up past 12. This is this, what I'm about to say is better afternoon than before noon. Now, what makes you say that? Just because it's afternoon. Invite people to church. Invite people to church. Now, I'm not picking on anybody, but, you know, we've got a good crowd here this morning, and it's hard for me to imagine 
that if everybody was inviting people to church, that we wouldn't have not even one visitor. If everybody was inviting people to church, we wouldn't have any. Come, that's a little hard for me to fathom. There, nobody would come. If we all invited somebody this week, wouldn't be anybody here. I suspect that's not the case. It's afternoon, I can say it. Uh, invite people to church and bring them if necessary. Yeah. Pastor Greg and Amy, they, they, they came to uh, our house Friday night when we got home and they were telling me that, uh, have you told the church about this? Mia, yeah, between the three kids, Mia, Jack, and Nate, between the three children, this school year, They've led 30 children to the Lord. Almost 40. Just those three kids. And that, that, that number includes who they led to the Lord and some of those kids, that's not including them, and the parents. Some, this doesn't include, some of those kids have led other school children to the Lord. And some of those children have gone home and talked to their parents and they told the, one of Greg's children that they shared that with their parents and their parents prayed the prayer. And, but they're not content with that. They invite people to church. Greg and Amy have to drive two vehicles and I'm not just saying this because this is them. If it was true of somebody else, I'd be saying that too. But I'm just saying, Greg and Amy have to drive two vehicles to church, not because their family's that big, because they have to have a vehicle and they bought a van. One of the reasons, because they bring so many people to church. They bring children to church. They bring several kids. I know everybody's getting nervous. I'm, what I'm saying is, we have the best thing going. We have the truth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are dying to hear what we have, to know and to have what we have. They're literally dying for it. And children are, are easy. I mean, they're easy. And we've seen, over the years, we've seen children and young people, and they're led to the Lord when they're younger and when they're impressionable and when their hearts are open. We've seen them come into church and the youth group and grow up and be Strong people in our church. Strong Christians. Amen. There's just so much we can do. So much we can do. Because God wants to do some things among us, but we have to change. Change is needed. There has to be some changing in how we think and how we go about our week and how we operate. If, if God... Is, and God wants to do those things. We know this is supposed to be a year of tremendous increase and blessing and glory and salvations and miracles. But we have to, we have to do our part. Amen. We have to do some things. And it's easy. It is easy. It is easy. It is easy. Well, I didn't get very far into Daniel 10. We'll talk about this next time. But praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Mm. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. This is going to be a great year. Because we're going to not just hear it, we're going to believe it and act on it. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you stirred up today to actually act on what you hear, to actually let your light shine, to actually give reason for the hope that's in you so that people will ask and you can tell them what it is. Amen? Yeah, praise God. And we're going to see increase. We're going to see blessing. We're going to see miracles. Amen. We're going to see the power of God, the move of the Spirit. Answers. Answers. Breakthroughs in our lives. All of that. God has planned that for us. Amen. All we have to do is rise up and lay hold of it. Amen. Well, glory to God. Let's stand. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, you've made us the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. You intend for us to be the salt of the earth. You intend for us to be different, to reflect your glory before a gloryless world, before a dark world, to be filled with your glory, to be filled with your word, to be living epistles, to be living testimonies everywhere we go, lights in the dark places. Oh, thank you. What a blessing that is. We embrace that. We embrace that. We agree with it. We take it to ourselves. We, 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 we claim it. We own it. It's ours, praise God. We're going to run with it, Father. This year, more than we ever have. And that's why we'll have more than we've ever had. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Kes sumbrandesh te hebenin zekre, ivra bahaseku sumbaha de sekere, josoda alebre keniva, zengo boshte akanda brasike de iva, zensusa kelebe idande, zevosa kere. Lay hold of those things that I bring up to you in your heart. When I, when I speak to you, when I impress you, when I reveal things to you, lay hold of those things in your heart. Lay hold of them by faith and lay hold of them by speaking what you hear. Take those things that come from me as valuable and precious. It's precious when I speak. It's precious when I lead. Because I'm enabling you to labor together with me, to walk hand in hand with me in bringing in the harvest and bringing blessing into people's lives. Lay hold of that and put put great importance upon it. Honor it. Embrace it. And you'll see that I'll take you into realms of ministry and in realms of blessing to other people that you've only dreamed of. That you thought, well, if I could be, if I could be such a person. But you see, I've made you that person. Everything you need is in you. 
You just need to respond to my spirit because I will take you where you can't take yourself. I'll take you beyond your natural ability. And I'll do things in you and through you that'll cause great blessing to come to others. So lay hold of it, yield to the spirit and see the fruit of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Ha, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not gloomy. It can be sobering, but it can be exciting all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. The future is ours. The future that God has for us is ours. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.